0: Are people going to hate listen to this episode? <laughs>
1: Quite possibly.
0: So in our world, the concept of servant leadership or selfless leadership is really big and we've even dedicated podcast episodes to the idea that employees are increasingly seeking leaders who prioritize their well-being and reject transactional approaches. Um You know, in general, we hold in high regard leaders who actively engage with their teams, rolling up their sleeves, and immersing themselves in the trenches with us. But there's this really alarming trend that's coming about in the executive landscape. C-suite leaders and executives are experiencing a disturbing level of burnout. And so it makes me wonder, is there a direct connection between this burnout and the broader narrative of relational leadership. The, a recent Forbes article shed some light on statistics in 2022 major corporations like Amazon, Starbucks, Pinterest, and American Airlines they all had resignations in their of their CEOs um, and that's a similar trend from 2021. There were notable departures from companies like Twitter and and Disney. And then more recently and in August HBR, Um, this article reported quote, middle managers, have felt the squeeze of having to execute strategy from above while coaching and developing their teams below, uh, often under-resourced, they frequently roll up their sleeves to do the work, um, alongside their teams, particularly given higher rates of turnover in the last few years. So too much work combined with too little time and resources adds up to scores of exhausted managers who are almost twice as likely to leave their employer. So that's that leaves me to ask are we truly equipped to embrace selfless leadership? Can we effectively manage the personal investment required to ensure the happiness and well-being of our teams? <laughs> Welcome to The Behaviorist with Work Wisdom, where we help you adopt high performance mindsets, behaviors, communication, and culture. I'm your host, Sarah Colantonio. Our intention for The Behaviorist Podcast is to share accessible, concrete practices that you can weave into your whole life to begin to shift towards joy and meaningful achievement. Today, we're turning our focus on selfless leadership, and I'm really grateful to have Kedrin. Crosby joining me hi Kedron
1: hi I really liked your intro I thought it was excellent and and it was so helpful because you're bringing uh data you know national data Mm -hmm. um you know there's another statistic which is the one that came out of Deloitte about a year ago which was that 71 percent of those in the C-suite are either burning out or looking to leave their jobs mm-hmm. to go someplace where there's uh, less stress. <laughs> so you're spot on with the data. I think the other piece of this is that we see it every single day yeah. in our clients mm-hmm. who are in the C suite that they are just depleted, experiencing this emotional exhaustion and this cynicism, and they can't, you know, even the renewal cycle. Is not helping them yeah so so yeah thanks for bringing this up as a topic
0: yeah I it seems like a problem it seems, it seems like it's problem. something that's on fire I was wondering if you can talk a little bit more about why you think leaders are leaving
1: you know I think I can talk about why they're leaving um, and those who are staying why they are feeling so depleted. Mm. My my thoughts, whether it's because I've seen this in the literature and I'm watching trends or I'm just listening to our clients, mm-hmm. um, is it feels like we had the great resignation. Mm-hmm. And so 2020 was hard and then 2021 into 2022, you know, the great resignation just so much churn and at the time we thought the great resignation was just a blip that it was this trend uh that would come and go and now we have data that proves actually it wasn't a blip it was a shift in behavior that's a more permanent shift in behavior so uh it's not good or bad but it certainly has implications for leadership so The implications are, okay, so employees, the labor force, are behaving differently. They have come to terms with wanting jobs that have less stress, more flexibility, um, greater work-life balance. And so they are voting with their feet Mm -hmm. and going to find jobs where they can... Uh, make that true because they are interested in having whole lives that are joyful yeah you can't blame them Uh, exactly i mean (laughs) it sounds wonderful it does but the it sounds like the bosses are like well wait a second who's gonna do all this work now you know um so they're the ones who are in this dilly of a pickle right Mm -hmm. because there's still a lot of work to be done Mm -hmm. but uh when there's more churn, as you and I know, there's so much more work. Mm-hmm. You're training new people. Mm-hmm. You're trying to find new people. Um, the labor market's so tight right now, mm-hmm. anyhow. So so they, they're experiencing even more stress. So it, it also feels like, uh, in addition to this shift in the behavior of job seekers, um, we are moving towards more relational cultures and Mm -hmm. leadership development has very much focused on whole person workplaces Mm -hmm. and relational leadership. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we focus on relational leadership. So what does it mean um, to use empathy and emotional intelligence and to encourage people to bring their whole selves to work and so we swung hard in the direction of relational leadership because there was a lot of data coming out of the great resignation saying people don't want transactional workplaces Mm -hmm. they want to go to relational workplaces so i think leaders were trying to create fertile cultures Mm -hmm. that were relational i also think there's this other trend Um, You know, I, I think Brene Brown's popularity in the now corporate world is making people think that the types of cultures that they aspire to are more like family cultures. And so family cultures, using the competing values framework from University of Michigan, they are highly flexible um, they're very collaborative. Uh, they're a little more slow moving. They're mm-hmm. kind of forgiving. They can have problems with accountability. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're more inward focused. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of leaders are, are thinking that is the right kind of culture to have. Uh, and, and it's not necessarily true in my opinion yeah. um, there's all kinds of cultures and the type of culture your organization needs is really dependent on mm-hmm. your business model your strategy your industry a million things mm-hmm. um so anyhow there's a lot of reasons why i think we've swung to this sort of relational you know the role of leader as uh, warm compassionate empathetic um selfless mm. uh you know almost caregiver yeah and so
0: my question my next question is what do we do <laughs> if nobody wants to lead and it, do do you think that there's a correlation between this push to being leader caregiver and the fact that People are just running in the other direction. I mean, we even we were talking to somebody just last week who they decided to sell their company for health, like mental health reasons.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They that's happening everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> the fire sales, <laughs> the fire sale. I can't do it. So what do we do if nobody wants to lead? Like, what are we? What are we going to do? Well,
1: what? I think that. I think there are answers before yeah, you know, what I what I'm hoping is that some of the people who, you know, certainly that we're working with are having success. They don't have to it's not all or nothing. There's mm-hmm. a middle way. Yeah. You know, so you don't have to be totally selfless and completely depleted. Um, and do that over and over and over until you burn out so much that you mm. just sell your company or quit your job and go mm. be a postal worker, or, you know whatever the <laughs> fantasy is. Um, not work with human beings anymore. Yeah. Um, I think that there's a middle way, yeah. which is is um, introducing. Well, first of all, accepting that there isn't a sense of loyalty to organizations anymore Mm -hmm. and that people are focused on taking care of themselves and um you know really trying to figure out flexibility and compensation and so accepting that there's this new culture of work and then saying okay if that is true how is leadership different Mm -hmm. now what does it mean to be a leader now knowing that that's that's what many people want, and I mm-hmm. think that we need to be careful as leaders about who we invest in and how much we invest in them. Yeah. And so, I don't think it's a one size fits all. I pour myself unconditionally into everyone yeah. on my team. I yeah. think that the answer is uh, assessing who is coachable, who is aligned with the future of this company, who has the technical capabilities and is a culture fit, um, and maybe even has the depth of character. And if if you've got a win, 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 and all of it's green, then yeah, then that might be someone that you really pour yourself into. But if it's someone who, for whatever reason, their stage of life – or their capabilities or their character Mm -hmm. you also can be transactional Mm -hmm. with that person and you can respect them Mm -hmm. um but you don't need to make them soup when they get sick (sighs) okay do you know what i mean (laughs) we're joking because we've done that um (laughs)
0: But you don't have to. I don't you think can, you have to. I think you can...
1: I think it's wise to uh, assess, you know, where are the boundaries? And how do I tailor who I invest in? Yeah. Um, what, what does this person on my team, what do they want? And what do we want, too? And then we can realign our interactions with them, you know, based on what we learn from that. So I, I think this carte blanche, um, selfless leadership. Um, I, I, I don't want to say anything negative about servant leadership, but I do think for some, that philosophy has not served them because they often are not able to get it up into their operating efficiency zone, where they are doing their highest and best work most of the time, yeah. because they're emptying the dishwasher, or, yeah. you know, something that's not their highest and best year work.
0: yeah. So, yeah, what do you, what do you say to people that have been, just have embedded <laughs> the the selfless or servant leadership, and would maybe react really strongly to that idea of operating efficiencies, like that would that would debate you on this. You know what's?
1: Yeah, well, I think that um, you know uh, I like Adam Bryant's new book, "The Leap to Leader," mm. "Leap to Leadership." Wait, "Leap to Leader." I can't mm. remember what it's called, but um, and one of the questions that you know shifting up into higher levels of leadership we always wanna ask the question, what is best for the organization? And I think that when we are able to truly answer that question, Hmm. it it helps us get into our, what we call our operating efficiency zone, that Hmm. highest and best value that we are able to contribute to the organization. And then we can really start adopting empowerment culture characteristics, to clearly uh, delegate and have others own parts of the work so that you can be in your highest and best work zone. So the leaders who have um, been using selfless leadership, Mm -hmm. I think part of the answer for them at least for a lot of my clients, has been to truly understand what is best for the organization. Okay. What is my highest and best value here? Okay. How do I use clarity to delegate so that others understand what is expected of them? Having high expectations, mm-hmm. you know, clear conversations, radical candor, mm-hmm. um, keeping the psychological safety high. Um. And that that's really been part of the answer back to feeling joyful again and yeah. having a, a high performance team, yeah. so, but you know, it takes there's there are a few steps in there, yeah. and and the the part of really assessing who on my team are those high potentials mm-hmm. that I am going to invest myself in and who and who is it okay? That we work together, but I'm going to go back to the soup. I don't need to make them homemade soup (laughs) on Saturday.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) You said it here. (laughs) (laughs) Don't have to make soup. Some people you want to make soup for, but other people, you do not need to make them soup. You don't have to. Okay.
0: So for the person that, for the leader who is maybe listening to this and is completely wiped out and frustrated. This is what's the first step. What's the first thing they need to do to get back to sustainability instead of quitting.
1: (laughs) I think learning how to understand their highest and best value Mm -hmm. and be very clear about what is my highest and best value in this organization and what is that zone and then learning how to communicate to others what their highest and best use is Mm -hmm. and then holding them accountable, being clear with expectations Mm -hmm. and motivating and inspiring them Mm -hmm. into that Um, and, and saying difficult things. Yeah. I had a client this past week. Um I think that, you know, the great resignation and all of the holes on our teams from not having sufficient staffing has has made us more reticent to say difficult things to each other. Yeah. And for, for God forbid someone quit, right? <laughs> and so um so but the reality is we need to be clear mm-hmm. about what we expect from others and um it it won't it won't get done mm-hmm. unless we ask people to do it
0: yeah and so the so some of the the downsides to this kind of selfless leadership we're seeing is like compassion fatigue and overall burnout um, and not having accountability and not empowering others. And so um, I think that piece that you're saying, which is having those hard conversations, is really key because we see it in, in cultures that have high psychological safety. They have compassionate, radical candor with one another. They can give and receive feedback. And so they can get all the benefits of that Uh, there's that comfortability, like (laughs) you recognize the feedback is coming from a really good place Mm -hmm. and it's to move everyone forward. I love that question. What's best for the organization? Mm -hmm. It's so clarifying. And I think it can help us do some hard things (laughs) that we might feel awkward about initially, but uh, I, I like that moving forward.
1: I also think uh, another practice that can be really helpful for leaders who are feeling extremely depleted right now is to, while they're thinking about their highest and best use, truly think about work that they're doing currently that is not their highest and best use. And is that a gray zone? Is that not in anyone else's yard? Yeah. and so they are just picking up the pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a practice, of course, here called yard work, mm-hmm. which is just the simple metaphor, which is understanding what am I responsible for, and that's in my yard, mm-hmm. and I get I get to plant it, and I'm responsible for weeding it. Uh, what's in your yard? What's in Matt's yard? What's in Janine's yard? What's in Allie's yard? All on on and on and on, but sometimes there's that strip of grass between yards that it's like, wait a second, who's supposed to be cutting that? Nobody's cutting that. So making sure that we are clearly Mm -hmm. drawing the fence around all the yards. So there are not any, you know, any bits of, you know, grass that are 17 feet tall and, you know, um, so so that is also part of the work is making sure that there's nothing that's a, a gray zone. Yeah. Because then that will fall into the leader's yard. Yeah. Okay. It also takes some impulse control because many of us um, who have power <laughs> um, have a hard time with uh, impulse control hmm. and tapping the brakes uh we we might do the task that belongs to someone else on the team Mm -hmm. because we think we can do it faster Mm. or we can do it better yeah um and so we have to have the impulse control to tap the brakes so that we don't do the task that's actually in somebody else's yard we don't run into somebody else's yard and start weeding (laughs) you know because we don't like the way it looks (laughs) so i need to be able to say hey sarah tell me about what's going on with your yard when when are you going to get to those weeds Mm -hmm. because i can see them through our picket fence here um rather than me run over there and start weeding your yard yeah so impulse control is important (sighs) in in sort of climbing our way back to health um yeah, and un- and apologetically, with kindness. Yep, having that conversation.
0: Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I love that. I think it. I think it takes the maybe reading compassion or radical candor about having compassionate candor mm-hmm. um, and practicing impulse control. It it makes me think a little bit about parenting in a way <laughs> where you. Just do it for the kid so that it's done and it's and it's not serving us actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not growing. And
1: so I guess it does come down to empowerment, doesn't it? Well, and family culture, yeah. it is using the competing values framework, you know the role of the leader is more like a parent. And um, with some of my clients, I've encouraged them to think about, uh not living into the archetype of the mother Mm -hmm. but living into the archetype of the big sister right (laughs) because she'll tell you she will tell you (laughs) stop stop stealing my clothes yeah that's my dress yeah exactly
0: okay i love it well uh Thank you, Kedran. I'm so grateful for you for being part of this movement of helping others in the workplace enhance their individual and collective team performance. And thank you, listeners, for downloading The Behaviorist. We hope you'll subscribe. Please feel free to reach out to us through our website, workwisdomllc.com, where you can enjoy Work Wisdom Press and productions. You can always reach out and ask questions and give us suggestions of topics That you'd like us to explore in future episodes. As is our custom, I'm going to leave you with uh, Anthony DeMello. This is actually not a quote, it's a bit of a story, but um, it's called Not Pushing It. And he says, all the other methods we use for self-change could be compared to pushing a car. Let's suppose you have to travel to a distant city and the car breaks down along the way. So we roll up our sleeves and we push the car and we push and push and push till we get to the distant city and we say, we made it. And then we push the car all the way to another city. And you say, we got there, didn't we? But do you call this life? You know what you need? You need an expert, you need a mechanic to lift the hood and change the spark plug. Turn the ignition key and the car moves. You need the expert, you need understanding insight awareness you don't need pushing you don't need effort that's why people are so tired so weary you and i were trained to be dissatisfied with ourselves that's where the evil comes from psychologically we're always dissatisfied we're always discontented we're always pushing go on put out more effort more and more effort but there's always that conflict inside there's very little understanding i was looking for- Job and then I found a job And heaven
1: knows I'm miserable now In my life Why do I give valuable time To people who don't care if I